Hey, this is Chelsea Emery from Christ Walk Church, and this is our podcast. For more information about our church, visit thechristwalk.com. We hope this message encourages you to live for something more. Thanks for listening. Has it been an awesome day to this point? But that is going to continue as our discipleship pastor, Pastor Nate Emery, makes his way to the stage to deliver part two of our series, Hope for the Holidays. And as he comes, turn your attention to the screen. Catherine, this turkey tastes half as good as it looks. I think we're all in for a very big treat. (laughs) Save the neck for me, Clark. Okay, Eddie. Why are you crying? I told you we put it in too early. Oh, it's just a little dry. It's fine. Here's the heart. We had to get that last little bit in there where he's struggling to chew on that piece of turkey. I've had some dry turkeys in my life, but nothing depicted quite like that. And and I've got a question for you guys. Has anybody honestly had an experience like that before? Maybe not quite like that, but it's something dysfunctional, particularly around a a family holiday. You can raise your hands. Just let me know. Just be honest here this morning. You've You've had a family function that was quite dysfunctional. You know, it was like... Uh, when your weird uncle was trying to have a divisive political conversation with you and your family members while you were just trying to watch the football game or enjoy an after-meal dessert with the family. It It was supposed to be nice and ended up being a little bit heated. Or maybe you had an experience where uh, one one year, little Jimmy wanted an Xbox for Christmas uh, and little Jimmy broke down crying on Christmas morning because the big box that was wrapped in all of the colorful uh, gift wrapping that he thought was his prized possession was actually something completely different. And little did he know that behind the scenes, finances were a little strained. Or maybe, God forbid, there's some kind of global pandemic one year. <laughs> and your family is supposed to be coming in town and because of travel restrictions or out of safety precautions, they decide not to. And so it's a little bit isolated uh, more than than usual. And right now, I imagine there's a lot of you who are watching online this morning or tuning in in person, and you're trying to make it through another year, but you're lacking a little bit of hope. And some of you might also be lacking a little bit of purpose as well. After all, you can have purpose when things seem clear, but when you're lacking hope and you're lacking clarity, purpose just tends to follow suit. In a time when chaos and confusion rule the roost, you're a little bit confused in this season right now. And because of that, you feel like you have no purpose. And some of you, I believe, are asking the question this morning, how can God use me in all of this? 
when, when there's no clarity in the world, when you can't even figure out how God, is, uh, how God is bringing purpose out of a situation like this year, how can God give me purpose? This year, a lot of you are probably feeling like you brought a dry turkey to the table. And you're just waiting for old Clark to cut into it just for the gases to explode out of it. And I believe in 2020 that a lot of us are stressed out because we've been so focused on trying to determine God's purpose for all of this that we've lost sight in the process of discovering his purpose for us personally. And today what I wanna do is over the next couple of moments, I want to take, I wanna zoom in from the bird's eye view, if you will, to your life and my life personally and look at a Christmas story that can, um, that can help us to discover our purpose in a season that seems chaotic and confusing and unclear. So if you would go with me to uh, the book of Luke this morning. Luke is the uh, third book in the New Testament. We're gonna be in Luke chapter one and I'm going to read verses 26 through 38. It's a little bit of a long um, passage, but bear with me because it encapsulates the entire story. Luke 1, 26 through 38, it starts out like this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee to a virgin named Mary. Now, Mary was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph who was a descendant of King David. And Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you, which by the way, if you haven't heard last week's message from Pastor Blake, uh, he talked to us about how God chose with so we wouldn't have to choose without. So I'd like for you to go to YouTube after this if you haven't watched it and, and watched that first message, it was fantastic. And so Mary, she replied to his greeting, confused and disturbed, she tried to think of what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a, I'm a virgin, this is impossible. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age and people used to say that she was barren, but she has conceived and is now in her sixth month for the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. So may everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. The ironic thing about purpose in our life is purpose is often wrapped in problems. In fact, that's the big idea for this morning. If you're taking notes, purpose is often wrapped in a problem. Problems, they, they force us to get creative. And we've experienced plenty of problems in this season, this year, that have forced us to get creative. Problems also rear uh, lack as its ugly head. Problems uh, show us what we're missing. But I wanna let you know this morning at the beginning of this story as we preface it, that God is in the business of bringing purpose out of our problems. And God is so great 
and so mighty, in fact, that he's in the small little details of our lives. He can, he's not just concerned with the purpose of this season, he's concerned with your purpose in every season of your life. And in the middle of all of these macro problems, all of these world problems, he'll often reveal your purpose to you because purpose is often wrapped in problems. So the question is, how do we know how to begin to discover our purpose? What are the key characteristics of purpose that we have to understand in order to understand when God is starting to reveal our purpose in the middle of the problems? And so today, I wanna take a look at the story of Mary here in Luke chapter one, because Mary, she had a purpose that was wrapped in some problems. You see, uh, there was a lot of confusion and chaos in this season of Mary's life. Because 400 plus years prior to this, scholars would call it the intertestamental period. It was a period of silence between the Old and the New Testament when God supposedly didn't speak to his people through the prophets. And Mary, before uh, the angel Gabriel had come to her, she was living in this time period. She was living in a time when God wasn't speaking, it seemed dark and things weren't like they were supposed to be. Before this, the prophets had spoken they had spoken about an impending doom about how the, the Israelites were going to be going into exile and how there was going to be destruction of the city of Jerusalem. God's presence was going to be taken away because the temple was going to be destroyed and the, the people were without God. But there was a glimmer of hope when the prophets told the people that the Messiah was coming. And they didn't know when that was and he didn't say when that, or the prophets didn't say when that was, but they just knew he was coming. And 400 plus years passed by and they still haven't heard from the Lord, still haven't seen this Messiah that the prophets were foretelling. And Mary, she grew up in the time period clinging to the hope that this Messiah was going to be coming sometime in the future. She just didn't know when. You see, Mary, she probably would have grown up hearing uh, teachings and stories about God's past with her, or from her parents. She had heard about how the Israelites were freed from Egyptian captivity and how God led them to the, the, the shore of the Red Sea. And when the Egyptians had trapped them there, God split the Red Sea apart and the Israelites could walk on dry ground. Mary had heard stories probably from her parents and her family about how God's tangible presence, his glory filled the Holy of Holies in the temple and how he was with them and how he established a covenant with the people that he loved. And how when he established this covenant, he gave them these laws as requirements on how to live that way that he could be their God and they could be his people. She grew up in 400 years of silence, probably following this law as her parents taught her. And then she grew up understanding that the Israelites disobeyed God's law. And because they disobeyed God's law, that's why they were living in 400 plus years of silence. And the time in which she was living in was just fruit of their disobedience. So how could purpose be wrapped in a problem like that? And then on top of it all, a messenger from the Lord comes to Mary personally. And she begins to discover her purpose, but not in the way we would think at first. You see, Mary thinks it's really strange that 
the angel Gabriel greeted her in the way that he greeted her, which leads me to point one when we're talking about characteristics of our purpose. If you're taking notes, write this down. Our purpose is founded in God's favor. Our purpose is founded in God's favor. Mary was gripped, gripped with confusion about the angel Gabriel's greeting here in Luke chapter one. You see, if that were me and I were, uh, I were Mary, who was just a, a normal teenager in an insignificant town of Nazareth, and a, and a supernatural creature like an angel appeared to, to stand right in front of me, I probably would have peed my pants, y'all. <laughs> but Mary, according to scholars, she wasn't confused and disturbed by the fact that a supernatural creature appeared to her. She was confused and disturbed by the title or the, the description that he gave her. And she must have been filled with so much faith in God that it was just normal to her that God would bring a messenger like that to appear to her personally. Because up to this point, she hadn't heard from God. But God existed and God was moving and just because an angel appears to me doesn't mean it's weird. It's just God's way of speaking to me. And she finds it weird that the angel Gabriel would call her favored one, greetings favored one. Mary was gripped with confusion and she was disturbed by such a title. Because up to this point, she was asking the question, where was, where was God? And now he's, he's calling her favored? Because if you're, if you're living by the law, I would imagine that you would have to follow the law to a T to even begin to understand the favor of God on your life as such. The prophets were favored. They were speaking to God or from God, out of God directly to the people. Uh, Moses and Joshua, they were favored. They were leading the charge, leading the Israelites into the promised land. King David, he was a man after God's own heart. He was favored, but Mary, a teenager, a normal one in a small insignificant town like Nazareth, favored. I think that the writer Luke is trying to teach us something about the way that Mary discovered her purpose here, that she was favored in Luke chapter one. Because favor in the Greek here, it also translates to the word grace. And grace defined is unmerited favor. You can't earn it, you don't deserve it, it's unmerited, it's not something that you can. When I was, when I was um, a, an admissions counselor at a college before Chelsea and I moved down here, um, I love coffee. So if you didn't know that, I love coffee. And we used to have these punch cards that I, immediately when I started working there, I had to get myself a punch card. And you would, you would have to redeem a, a free coffee by earning 10 punches in the little card that you got. So I clung onto that thing with my life, y'all, because I wanted that free coffee. And normally, don't judge me, but I would get a free coffee within a week. <laughs> That's how many coffees I was having. So I love coffee. Hope coffee's good, by the way. I think that some of us, or a lot of us rather, approach our faith like that. Where we have to punch a hole in a card to redeem God's good graces in our life. Yeah. And we would rather, we, we, we approach our relationship with God out of the law, what we have to do to get to God rather than receiving the grace that God freely offers to us where we're standing. Some of us, we approach church like this 
We would rather get right with God first before we come and sit in, in, the, um, in a chair in the church. Otherwise, I don't know, I might be burned up before I walk into the church. You've heard that joke before. Some of us, we feel like we have to get it all right before we begin to live out what it means that servanthood is our posture and we take on the role of Jesus in serving other people. When in all reality, God will teach us our purpose along the way if we'll walk with him. And grace, it's unmerited, it's undeserved. It's not something that we can earn. It's something that's extended, offered to us freely. The choice is whether or not we choose to accept grace. You see, Paul, the apostle, he wrote about the same grace in Ephesians 2 when he said, by grace, you have been saved through faith. The choice is that we would receive and accept God's grace, that favor of God. And then through faith, we put our faith in Jesus, who is the embodiment, the extension of God's grace to the world. And the choice that you have to make this morning, just like Mary had to wrestle with here before the angel Gabriel is, will you accept the grace that God is offering you? You are a child of God and you're favored by God but your identity in Christ is based on your reception of the grace that God is offering you. And if you don't have a clear identity, then I would argue that your purpose is probably unclear as well. And Mary, she had to have wrestled and grasped with this idea that God's grace was not determined by how well she followed the law, but God's grace was determined by her reception of the grace that was being offered to her, the favor. She was a favored woman of God if she would just receive it. How else would she have felt worthy to carry the son of God when the angel Gabriel broke the news to her that she was going to be carrying the Messiah, the hope of the world? Number one, our purpose is founded in God's favor. Number two, our purpose is propelled by God's power. Everybody say power. power. Mary hears the news that she is going to carry the Messiah. Listen to it again here. It says this in Luke chapter one, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus and he will be very great and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor, David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. But Mary, she's smart as a teenager. See, Mary, she's, uh, she's engaged to be married to this man named Joseph. And how am I gonna get pregnant when I'm a virgin? And so when she's thinking about all of these plans, these laid plans that she has set in place in her life, all of these securities that are, that are set in stone for her, and then she's thinking about the call of God, the purpose of God uh, through the news that the angel Gabriel has just broken to her. She asks him the question, how can this happen? How can this happen? How is this supposed to happen when it's an impossibility? How many of you guys know that when, God, or, uh, when things seem impossible, God can make impossible things possible? And there are things in her life that are already set in place, but... I think that we feel the same way often. Like I've made it too far for God to reveal my purpose in another way to me. Uh, I was 
just getting a job promotion when a global pandemic hit and I lost my job. I was just trying to figure out how to invite my friends to church when the building closes because of a nationwide shutdown. I was just getting into routine and becoming disciplined with uh, my work-life balance, getting home to my family when the nation closes down and now I have to teach my kids. I was just getting over a year of hardship after I lost a loved one when all of a sudden the news is broken to me that another one dies now from COVID. God, you told me that this year was gonna be a year that I was going to live for something more. And so I was doing all of the right things. I was getting everything in order. I thought I discovered my purpose and now what? And God pivots your focus and he says, this is your purpose. And you're asking him the question, how can this happen? In the same way that the angel Gabriel replies to Mary is the same response that God has for you and for me. He says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the most high will overshadow you. And it was going to take the power of the Holy Spirit and the life of Mary to make an impossibility possible. And it's going to take the power of the Holy Spirit in your life to make an impossibility possible. Mary needed God's power to carry the hope of the world into the world. It's the same power of the Holy Spirit that in Acts chapter one, verse eight, Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. Power is what made ordinary men do extraordinary things under the power of the Holy Spirit. Power is what brings super to our natural. You need God's power in your life through the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to do impossible things in a possible manner. It's that power that even Jesus had in his life that raised him from death to life on the third day when the stone was rolled away. It was that power that came upon the apostles like tongues of fire in the upper room. Power, our, our purpose is propelled by power and, and you need God's power when you're waiting in line at the grocery store and the grocery store is a little too long and you're losing your patience. You need God's power when you're teaching your kids at home how to do some math homework. <laughs> you, you need God's power when you're being generous with your testimony at a life group. You need God's power when you're trying to discern how to uh, best steward your finances in a season of financial strain. You need God's power when you're trying to witness to your coworkers whether it's through Zoom or it's in person, that's entirely up to your specific situation. And the power of the Holy Spirit emboldens you, sustains you, gives you the ability to carry this message of hope in Jesus to the world around you. 
and can help you walk through a season that seems dark when in all reality, God's right there with you. And it's when you're at your emptiest that God will fill you with his power. God's power is made perfect in your weakness. God's power will propel you or will propel your purpose. Number one, our purpose is founded in God's power. Number two, our purpose is propelled by God's power. And then number three, this is the last point, our purpose requires our surrender. Surrender. The angel Gabriel, he answers Mary's question, how can this happen? By not only telling her that the Holy Spirit will come upon her and the power of the Most High will overshadow her. He gives her uh, this statement after he recounts that her cousin Elizabeth had been barren and how God had made an impossibility possible. And now Elizabeth was in her sixth month of pregnancy. She was supposed to be barren, everybody knew it, but then he makes this statement, for the word of God will never fail. I could just end the sermon right there. The word of God will never fail. Scholars believe that what, he's, what, what is actually happening here is because even as a teenager, Mary would have heard the stories of the Old Testament that uh, the angel Gabriel was recalling to mind a story in Genesis chapter 18 when three visitors came to visit um, Abraham and Sarah. And the three visitors, they broke the news to Abraham within earshot of Sarah that she within the year was going to become pregnant with their son. And Sarah, hearing the news at 100 years old, chuckled in disbelief, the Bible says. And so the Lord, he, he, he uh, starts speaking to Abraham. He's, he says, your wife, Sarah, she just chuckled in disbelief at the news that was just broken to you. And then he asks Abraham this question that hundreds and hundreds of years later, the angel Gabriel answers in the, in the presence of Mary, Lord, the Lord asks Abraham, is anything too hard for God? And angel Gabriel recalls that in the mind of Mary and he, sa or he says to her, God's word will never fail. It's not a clear answer, but the answer is there. Just think about it. Recall all of the ways that God has uh, kept his promises to you, angel Gabriel to Mary, throughout the Old Testament, to your ancestors, despite all of their dysfunction, God was still there among you. And he still kept all of his promises. And right now he's fulfilling that promise that the prophets foretold about. So Mary, hearing all of these things, imagine like at this point, like, holy cow, like I see the big picture, God. After having to wait so long, she says, she says, I am your servant. May everything you've said about me come true, surrender. Mary, she just decided that she was going to give everything she was up and surrender to God so that God could fulfill his purpose through her life. And I would have said that y'all are crazy. Like I'm out, I'm dropping the mic, I'm leaving, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. 
I don't know how when I've solidified all of these plans, you're gonna work in the middle of this, but I'm out. Mary, she's just like, God, you're gonna make whatever that is happen. So I give you everything I am, I surrender. In a less than ideal situation, Mary chooses surrender, will you? What if the word of God that he's speaking over your life this holiday season at the end of 2020 is surrender? What if living for something more means surrendering to God? Your purpose requires your surrender, all of your doubts, all of your fears, all of your shortcomings, all of your heartache, all of the things that you really don't wanna share with people, give it to God. Surrender. If his word will never fail, then the word that he spoke to you when the ball dropped at the end of 2019, it's still true at the end of 2020. In the spirit of being generous, I just wanna share a little bit of my testimony. Over the past three and a half years, Chelsea and I have been struggling with infertility. There have been sleepless nights. tear-filled days and I've watched my wife carry herself with such grace and I felt like this year the Lord was speaking surrender over us I gotta be honest with you it's It's hard sometimes to watch and celebrate other people when you're right in the thick of it. This is not a call for anybody to give us any sympathy. This is just how it is. This is our story. And as I, Chelsea and I, we heard this word surrender over for our life. We we said, you know what, God? We don't understand it. There, there's literally no, the doctors, there's no excuse for why we can't get pregnant, why we can't start a family. It just hasn't happened. Just it's in God's timing. So this year we decided that we were going to hand it over to God. I can't tell you that. There's a success story that's come out of that yet. But I know that the word of God never fails. I know that it's in the emptiness of what it felt like to release something like that to God, that God filled us with his Holy Spirit. And in this year alone, we've seen the tangible presence of God in our life in ways that we never expected. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding has filled our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And he's given us power to use our testimony to share with other people so that other people's lives can be changed. What does God want you to surrender in 2020? The same power that hovered over the seas at the beginning of creation, the Holy Spirit, is the same power that brought Ezekiel, the prophet, into the valley of dry bones in a vision. And it's the same power, the Holy Spirit, that 
blew the dry bones to life. It's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And it's the same power that's in this room right now with me and you. But God requires our surrender. And Mary, she just decided that she was going to surrender because when she surrendered, what came out of that is the hope of the world. What comes out of your surrender is a message of the hope of the world, Jesus. Jesus would grow up and he would become the Messiah. He, he was the one and only sacrifice to pay the sins of humanity for the world. And he was also the perfect example of surrender. If you fast forward into the New Testament, the night before Jesus is taken to the cross, He's at the garden of Gethsemane and he's knelt over and he's sweating blood and he's praying and crying out to his father because he knows that the road ahead is going to be difficult. His purpose is often wrapped in problems. And he says, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass, but not my will, yours be done. I give it all to you all of my heartache, all of the things that are going wrong, all of the things that are going right. It's all yours, God. And Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit went to die for your sins and mine. So that when we call on his name by faith, we can receive the grace and the favor of God that he's offering to you as a free gift. What do you need to surrender today? so that he can fill your hearts with purpose that comes from his power. I believe there's some people in this room right now who you're already a believer in Jesus, but you need a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. It's a daily decision to die, to surrender your life to God so that he can fill you with his power. When you surrender your life, in place of that, he'll give you his power. First of all though, there are some people in this room. Your next step is just to surrender your life to Jesus. And the power that comes from that is new life in the Holy Spirit, regeneration. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you today, and you wanna surrender your life to Jesus, maybe for the first time, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Nobody's looking around. This is just a personal decision between you and your heavenly father. Repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly father, I admit that I'm a sinner and I'm lost without you. I believe that Jesus died in my place, making a way for us to have a relationship. I choose to follow Jesus and his way for the rest of my life, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time today, would you shoot up your hand in this room? I see one, yes. Anybody else? Congratulations, it's the best decision you'll ever make. Your next step is to get baptized. But first, I want you to tell somebody. Tell me, tell Pastor Blake, tell somebody in this room, tell somebody at the big green tent that you've made a decision today to follow Jesus for the rest of your life. And then your next step is to outwardly declare what you have inwardly decided today through baptism, water baptism. 
And if you're in this room today, I wanna pray real quick for you. Maybe you're a believer in Jesus and you just don't feel the power of God the way you want to. I wanna pray for an, a, a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit in your heart and over your life. Lord, I pray for every individual in this room right now at the sound of my voice, if they're watching online, I pray that they would create space in their hearts for you. Right now, you're beginning to recall things in their hearts and in their lives that they have been clinging to for so long, but God, I pray that they would release it to you right now, that they would surrender it to you right now. And God, we know that your promises never fail, that your word never fails. And so you've promised us that in place of our emptiness, you will fill us with the power of the Holy Spirit. And so everybody in this room, Lord, I pray that you would fill them with the spirit of Christmas, the same spirit that filled Mary with the hope that came with Jesus is the same spirit that fills us with the hope of Jesus right now. And I pray that every person in this room has hope for the holidays through the power of the Holy Spirit. God, give them purpose. Give them identity in you. Help them to know that they're a child of God. Remind them of who they are. Sustain them through a season of darkness, a season of chaos and confusion and speak to them now because purpose is wrapped in problems. Thank you for giving us times like these so we know that you're still in control. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen.